I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And our favorite partner from Montecito Bank Address, all our partners from Montecito Bank Address are our favorites, but she always keeps us informed. Vicki, would you give her title and introduce her? Absolutely. We're going to welcome today Sean Dyer, Senior Fraud Specialist from Montecito Bank and Trust. As always, glad to have you with us, Sean. Tell us what's going on at the bank. What are you seeing? Well, fraud is always busy and summer is no reason for them to slow down. If anything, they're just speeding up. But I wanted to cover a few items today. First, I wanted to go over some training that I attended this morning and I thought it was interesting. It went over the four basic signs of a scam. So I'll just read over these and then we can discuss. Number one, scammers pretend to be from a familiar organization or agency like Social Security, IRS, so forth. And they may email attachments with official looking logos, seals, or signatures. Second sign is scammers mention there's either a problem, a big problem, or you're going to get money. There's a prize. And that triggers our brains to act if there's a problem or we're going to win something. They may indicate the customer's account number was involved in a crime or ask for personal information. Third, scammers pressure the recipient to act immediately. They may even threaten arrest or legal action. That is that sense of urgency we all have talked about. And four, scammers tell the customer to pay using a gift card, a prepaid debit card, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, that type of thing, or wire or money transfer, or by mailing cash. So I thought this would be a good thing to bring up as reminders to the listeners that these are all very good red flags to just like stop and evaluate what you're looking at, what you're reading, what you're hearing, whatever the case may be. Places like Social Security, IRS, they're not going to call. They're always going to start with mail, U.S. mail, always. And the piece about the problem or a prize, they're telling you it's tech support scam. It's your utilities are going to get shut off, something that is creating a sense of urgency. Or you've inherited money from a long lost relative or you've won the publisher's clearinghouse, which you never entered, but somehow now you've won those sorts of things. And that sense of urgency that just triggers your brain and you just don't act sensible. You are going on impulse and emotion. And that's what they want. The cryptocurrency is one of the big ones that we're going to discuss also today, which is like the Bitcoin. So anyway, those points are out there. And I wanted to make sure that the listeners had that available. I think those are absolutely excellent. I like the way that they're worded. Scammers mention a problem or a prize. That's easy to remember, and it sums up every single scam that I've ever heard about. There's a problem or there's a prize, one or the other. Um, And just the pressure to act immediately and the threat, and, and of course, the way you're required to pay. I mean, I think these are just excellent, excellent red flags. And if we can just remember all four of these red flags, (laughs) pretending to be from a government agency, But they're well-worded, they're succinct, they're easy to recall. 
I really like this. I mean, thank you for sharing it with us. We should all have a little sign in front of us, in front of our computer. Yes, right. points on it mm-hmm. in case we get one of these phone calls or in case we yeah. get something on our And I'll computer. type them and put them in the show notes on our YouTube channel as well. Yes. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're great to have. So, yeah, thank you for bringing those to our attention. Excellent. All right. Well, moving on, the next item, which was mentioned in there about the cryptocurrency, we have now had a couple cases with customers over the last three months, two different instances. They both received either it was a pop-up or a phone call. It started out as a tech support scam. So if the fraudster is acting like they are from Apple or Microsoft, Norton, whatever, something around computer has a problem and they're going to help you. And then it gets into convoluted stories. The first one was the customer was instructed to go to the bank and withdraw 15000 in cash. And if they were asked, they were to tell the teller that they were buying their grandchild a car. So that would drop any suspicion. And that's what that customer did. The second one, it was that it was a tech support scam and somehow they were going to involve the bank as the backup support. What they thought there was a prime ring And so the tech support people were almost making it like there was another fraud group within it, and they wanted the customer's assistance to carry out this scheme. It got really complicated. Same thing, he went into the bank to withdraw $15,000 in cash. Both instances, customers were directed to go deposit the cash at an ATM machine at a specific location. Both of these locations were liquor stores. And when they go into the liquor store, first customer followed the instructions all the way and deposited the cash into a Bitcoin machine, which is similar in look to an ATM machine. The second customer, when he arrived and he saw that it was a Bitcoin machine, he realized this something's wrong with this. And he called the nearest branch and thank goodness he was saved. So he is not out any, but the first customer... She performed the transaction. She's out the money. And again, we've talked about this before, the difference between being scammed and authorizing a transaction versus something that is fraud and unauthorized. If you are given instructions to do something and you perform the transaction, you take the cash out, you go deposit it, you have been scammed, but you performed it, you authorized it, and you're not going to get your money back. Whether it's the Bitcoin machine or sending a wire, submitting a transaction via the ACH system, using your debit card to buy gift cards, whatever, you did it. We have no recourse. I'm understanding that, Sean, but I'm wondering... At the time when they took the $15,000 and deposited it, they thought they were paying the tech support person to help them. Is that what was going on? Yes. Okay. With the first one, yes. The second one, it was more like he was helping a sting operation. Right. He thought he was being undercover. Yes. Got it. Yes. Who did these folks pretend they were calling from? Who did they purport to be? scammers? Um, Tech support. One was Apple and one was Microsoft. Those are the big ones. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the first one was Microsoft and the second one was Apple. Customers get upset for those that lose the money. They think we should be reimbursing them and we have no recourse. When you look at both of these scams, it follows exactly the four signs that you just gave us, the four basic signs of a scam. Mm -hmm. be from a familiar organization, Apple, Microsoft, we all know those organizations, and kind of trust them to help us with our computers. They mentioned a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Some kind of problem that they had to go in there and fix. 
And then there was the pressure to act immediately. You have to do this now. You have to go down to the bank. You have to take care of this right away. And then, of course, the payment. You know, you've got to take the money out and put it into a Bitcoin machine. So it follows this script exactly. Every single red flag here, check, 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 check. Yeah. That's why it's important to have that checklist. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. We were just really thankful that the customer paused a second to realize this just isn't right. Right. But it took him all the way until he got that far to realize, I need to ask my banker. And then our last thing that I want to talk about was Dell payments. Again, those are what we call P2P, the letter P, the number two, the letter P. And that stands for person to person. So a P2P payment is using the platform of Zelle, Venmo, I think Cash App, and they are all designed to be literally from a person to a person. Now they are incorporating where businesses can be using those software, which I think is just going to be more complicated and more troublesome, but that's not for me to decide. They're they're making it business to business rather than peer to peer. Yes. Again, we've had a situation a couple times, so tricky on the fraudsters part, but again, red flags on the customer's side. Customers pay their utility bill automatically withdrawn from the checking account every month. They don't write a check. It just automatically comes out. A few days later, they get a phone call from that utility company saying they're behind. They're going to shut off their service. They haven't received the payment and they need to pay immediately. And so they instruct them to where before it would may have been gift cards. Now it's Zelle. With Zelle, you need to add either a cell phone number or an email address. That's how you add a contact to be able to transfer the funds. So they provide a phone number and they say that the name associated with that phone number is, for example, Southern California Edison. I'm just using that as an example. Because when you add a contact to your Zelle, you will get a notification on your phone. This phone number, this name, you want to add this? Is this who you mean? And you say yes, and then you send it. Behind the scenes, we can see that that is like the nickname that a person put on their link to their phone, but it really tells us their true name of where the money's going to. It's obviously not going to Southern California Edison. It's going to Sally Smith. But when they set up their Zelle profile, they said their name was Southern California Edison. Mm -hmm. It's just really tricky. But again, going back to those four steps, sense of urgency. They saw that they had paid their bill. They cleared the bank that it was to Southern California Edison, yet they had that, oh my gosh, there's a problem. My power is going to be shut off. I need to do this. And so they did it because when that confirmation from Zelle came up, it said it was Southern California Edison connected to the phone number that the fraudster had provided. Wow. So tricky. Don't use Zelle unless you know that person live in person. We go out and do our presentations. I'm always saying that. Please don't use Zelle unless you actually know the person. And in in this case, again, they pretended to be from a well-known familiar organization, a utility, Southern California Edison or whichever utility it was. So all four steps were right there in place and somebody knows the four steps, they're going to hopefully recognize it as a scam. 
I wonder, uh, Sean, how big is it going to be where businesses use it to let people pay their bills? Is it just going to be smaller businesses? I mean, how tricky will it be if Southern California Edison really does allow people to pay that way? That would be so confusing. I would imagine that it'll come down to the business itself and how hard is it for you to track your payments. To me, I think it would be really difficult as a large business to do that. I mm-hmm. would think for a small mom and pop, it might right. work because, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you probably only have a few payments coming in every week, sure. so you mm-hmm. can easily track it. I don't know what the guidance will be around that, but I just... Makes it very confusing. It, I, I wish they aren't mm-hmm. even letting any businesses oh, do it. Oh, I, I wish not really. either. That's going to be confusing. Yeah. Well, really good information, Sean. And again, I so appreciate those four basic signs. I think that's really important for people to just memorize and learn and write down and keep it by your phone and keep it by your computer because when one of these scammers get a hold of you, you stop thinking logically. So if you have this little card somewhere <laughs> that you can quickly look that at. That one in oh, front of your okay. computer screen and then yeah. it's on the back of your phone. Okay. Yeah, yeah, one in your glove box. <laughs> it'll, it'll hopefully snap you back into logical thinking rather than emotional thinking. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that uh, information with us. It's very, very helpful. and also about the tech support scam, which I'm hearing a lot about recently too. So it must be one of those popular scams that's coming back Uh full force. Uh And of course the Zelle, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sean and everyone at Montecito Bank and Trust. You always provide such great advice. So would you like to stay for the good news or are you giving any good news today, Vicki? I am giving some really good news today. And this is good news that is making people in law enforcement smile happily because this is a longtime scammer that I have heard about for years that's finally being brought to justice. And here's the headline, Canadian man convicted in multi-million dollar psychic mass mailing fraud scheme. Okay, so this is a person who has been out there for a long time. The scammer's name is Patrice Runner. He's a Canadian and French citizen, and he's been running this scam for 20 years. And here's what he did. He sent millions of letters to United States citizens, many of whom were elderly and vulnerable, pretending to be Maria Duval. And Maria Duval became an international famous psychic because of this scam. Everybody knew the name Maria Duval. She was supposedly a famous psychic. Now, she was a fake person, but the letters that came ostensibly from Maria Duval seemed to be individualized personal communications, and they promised the recipients that they had the chance to achieve great wealth and happiness with the help of this psychic in return for a fee, of course. So this has been going on for literally 20 years. Of course, the same letters with this supposedly personalized, individualized appeal went out to tens of thousands of victims each week, tens of thousands of victims each week. Now, once you paid that fee, that initial fee to get this help from this marvelous internationally known psychic, You were then bombarded with dozens of similar letters also offering psychic services for a fee. Now, of course, this Patrice person, Patrice Runner, had co-conspirators helping him because this was a huge organization. And he found his victims. I mean, how do you get that many victims to send letters out to? 
He found his victims by trading mailing lists with other fraudsters. They exchanged lists, and we've talked about that before. Now, victims often lost thousands of dollars to this scheme, and Patrice stole more than $175,000 over the 20 years that he was running this scam. So he was finally caught, brought to justice. He was convicted of eight counts of mail fraud, four counts of wire fraud. This is all federal. And conspiracy to commit money laundering. Get this, he faces a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison on each count. So Maria Duval has been officially put out of business. <laughs> the case, yeah, the case. Goodbye, Maria. <laughs> a, a, a lot of law enforcement people are just clapping with joy, including our old friend Debbie Dean, who was an FBI victim witness specialist, because she has known victims of this particular scam. So the case was investigated by the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. It was prosecuted by the Department of Justice, and here is a quote from Department of Justice. The case exemplifies the commitment of the Department of Justice's Consumer Protection Branch and its partners in the U.S. Postal Inspection Service to investigating and prosecuting fraud schemes targeting Americans, no matter where in the world those schemes originate. And this guy was brought back from Spain, by the way. We will work with law enforcement partners in the United States and around the world to bring to justice criminals who target Americans. But this is why people should really take the time and report to IC3, Mm -hmm. because this is where the information comes from, the FBI website. And it was interesting because the Department of Justice also suggested that if you know someone over 60 years of age, 60 years of age or older, who has experienced financial fraud, they suggested that you call the National Elder Fraud Hotline, which I have talked about before, because this is a hotline that will provide personalized support, assisting them to get resources to know who to call, next steps, what to do once you've been defrauded. So I'd like to uh, give that phone number again. It's one 372 8311 And let me say it again. 1-833-372-8311. And this is the National Elder Fraud Hotline. And they will personally walk you through what steps you need to take if you have been the victim of one of these kinds of frauds. And the DOJ in the same announcement that I got in the same bulletin also urges everybody to be on the lookout for lottery and sweepstakes scams, which tells me that these must also be on the rise. So if you receive a letter or email promising a large prize, there we go again, the prize, in exchange for a fee, don't respond even if the letter seems to be from a government agency. So once again, from a government agency promising a prize, you have to pay a fee and you have to act now are four signs. Mm-hmm. Right. So lottery and sweepstakes are back at it again. Those scammers are out there sending out their And if you get an email with the same kind of message, don't click on the link. I get so many every right. day. I just know yeah. that I've won something. They, they just try to draw you in, but I know I can't click on it to find yeah, out what it it's is. It's true. Good <laughs> for you, Patty. Listen. Thanks. It takes all my willpower. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that was a great story, Vicki. And we have a product line too, where Vicki does, where if you'd like to 
be on Scam Squad. Tell your story to warn others. I know she'd love to talk to you about that. Or if you have a question and you live locally in Santa Barbara, she can be especially helpful. Vicki, could you get that number as well? Absolutely. It's area code 805-568-2442. And I'll repeat it. 805-568-2442. And I do welcome your phone calls. Well, thank you both. That was a great show. A lot of great information. Absolutely. Okay. Until next week. Bye. Bye.